morning, loves. Welcome to the Dr. Dab Show. Today, I have a very special, wonderful guest with me, Mrs. Stephanie. <laughs> I know, the Mrs. is there now. <laughs> Stephanie Ike, yes. welcome Thank to the you. Dr. Dab Show. Thank you, love. I'm so happy that you're here. Yes. A dream to have you here. Thank so, you. And I'm excited. I like I was telling you even earlier, like I've I started like watching things with your journey. And I just love the woman you are, you know, not even the things you do, but just the woman you are, what you represent. So I'm excited to be Thank here. Thank you. I love Thank the you. woman you are. Too. <laughs> I'm so, so excited. And you, you are also a podcaster. Yes. And a pastor. <laughs> yeah. So you're a very busy woman. I know. Yeah. You just got married. I just got married. So finding a new balance, yep. finding a new rhythm. But it's beautiful. You're managing and balancing. <laughs> Thank you. So let's just take it back. Yeah. I met Stephanie a few years ago at mm-hmm. an art show. One of my friends was putting on. Yeah. And she was just so bubbly and full of life. And it just reminded me of the kind of people that I want around me. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that you're a beautiful woman who's Thanks. doing so much. Thank you. You're not limiting yourself to anything. Yeah. But I do want to know about your background. So mm-hmm. where did you grow up? I know that you're originally from Nigeria. Yeah. But tell me about how you grew up and coming to America. Yeah. So I grew up in Nigeria. Okay. And so around 15, I was done with high school and, you know, planning like where to go to college. So my mom was like, you're too young to go to college. Like we need to figure something out. Like you need to go when you're maybe 16. And so for one year, um, she wanted to just throw me into something that would just kind of just expand my knowledge of just whatever in life. And so I went into this computer programming school. Oh, wow. 15 and they were teaching us how to like create games and code. It was, was so fascinating. <laughs> I cannot tell you anything I learned in that. <laughs> I remember like helping a friend of mine and we built this game, but I think he did most of the work. Um, but then, you know, turning 16. So the initially the plan was for me to move to the UK. Okay. And then again, like Lagos to Nigeria is like a six hour flight. It's closer to home. My mom is like, you're the only girl. You need to be close to me. So that was always the plan. I was going to go to the UK. I wanted to study criminal law. Okay. And that was like, boom, everything was set. And I remember the more like intrigued I was by this idea of like, you know, moving to London, um, studying criminal law. And the Lord just kind of interrupted all of that. And he said, you're going to go to California okay, and you're going to study communications. And I was like... Mm. That's different, Uh, (laughs) you know, and I have family out here. Like my brothers were in California, so it was not going to be foreign. And I remember telling my mom and I'm like, mom, like God told me the plan is not London. Like the plan is to move to California. Mm -hmm. And so we prayed about it. And there was a track record of knowing she could trust when I say God said something because of what the track record was. Whenever I say God told me that. that. Okay. Yeah. You already had a strong foundation with God. Yeah. So I, I counted God. I was nine years old and I saw an angel. (laughs) So that was a whole, that's a whole story to it. But I I was at an age where I had many questions and doubts about God. And that was really because growing up in Nigeria, the churches that we used to go to as kids, they talked so much about hell. And it's like, anything you do, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. And I was like, if he, if this is like a fear tactic, send me to hell. (laughs) I'm like, I like like freedom. (laughs) I don't feel like, like to be caged. 
<laughs> you know? Right, right. So I had many questions. I was like, God, are you real? Because yeah. I don't know why you, why there's all this like fear about, you know, living this type of life. And mm-hmm. nine years old, I met the first encounter, supernatural encounter was seeing an angel. And after that, I began to hear the voice of God and he began, and I said, having encounters with the Lord. When you say voice, are you talking about audibly? I've, yeah. So I heard, I used to hear the voice of God audibly, like I could count how many times I have, okay. but also in my, I think as a kid, it was because you're a child, you don't question too much. That's true. So as a kid, even like in my inner knowing, you know, I just knew, you know how everyone has that voice in their head, but I could, I knew what was mine and yes. what was the Lord's. Yes. And there was no, I think it's for me, I, I call it like the advantage of being a child yeah. because you're not like so caught up in adulting, like you know, let me study what science says about that. I was a kid. I'm like, okay, oh, this. And then you see the track record, like the things the Lord would tell me, that's how it played out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was always things that spoke of love and goodness. And I remember when I, when like my first encounter with the Lord himself, it was such an overwhelming feeling of love. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is who you are. You love people. You're not trying to send people to hell, like all this stuff. And that captivated my heart. So from that moment, I would say like I knew him as father before savior. Okay. So I, I, it was just a father-daughter relationship and I would hear his voice and he would talk to me about things and it was not complicated, you know? Right. So it was that voice, the strength in that voice, the trust in that voice. There were moments where I remember when I had, my appendix was swollen and it needed to be taken out. And, and I remember like my, we go to the hospital the doctors are like, we need to get this out. And we go home. They give us all this meds. They schedule the surgery. And I was like, mom, I'm not taking this. Like, I'm going to talk to my dad and he's going to solve this. Yes. And I was like, dad, I need you to yes. fix this. You know, yes. I don't want to do surgery. Yes. And literally we go back to the hospital and the doctors are like, we don't know what happened. Your appendix went back to its normal size. Like, this is not they, they couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, my dad did that. It was just this childish knowing. And so when that same voice mm-hmm. told me, hey, you're not going to, I don't have, I have a need of you in California, not in London. Yes. And I was like, okay, you know, I guess we're going to California. And we started the process and <laughs> I ended up here. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you yeah. know, when you say that you have that childlike faith, I mean, the yeah. Bible talks about that. Yeah. Unless you have the faith of a, of a child, you can't see the kingdom of God. Right. Because the Lord wants you to not question everything, right. to have that childlike expectancy. Just simplicity. Yes. I honestly, honestly believe like simplicity is a weapon against the enemy. I think we have made things so complicated, so Mm -hmm. complex. We're trying to understand so many things, but how do you know this and that? But when you come to God as a kid, you know, it opens you up. First of all, it it tells you like, I don't know everything. Like kids are curious. And I think in adulthood, we lose our curiosity because of whatever experiences we have, whatever wins we've had in life, we start feeling ourselves a little bit, you know, and we lose lose this curiosity. We lose this hunger and awe. And I feel like when we can protect that, I believe in protecting your, that childlike state in every individual. Cause when you can protect that, I mean, your relationship with God is something beautiful. It is so beautiful. Yeah. And you kept referring to him as your father, not your yeah. father, as your, 
your Lord, but your father. Yeah. Did you have a relationship with your earthly father as well? So I never, when I was eight months old, my natural father um, was murdered. And so growing up, that was like a missing piece. And so encountering God, and it was also the, the mercy of God I encountered him at that age, because I could literally, I could see how my life could have gone completely opposite direction, you know? And when I encountered him and knew, like, even though I didn't have a natural father, I have a heavenly father that loves me. And I remember like one of the most significant moments in my life, it was as a kid. I remember like my, my friends would tell me how like their dads, and you'll see it in movies, how their fathers would pick them up and spin them around. <laughs> and I would go- teary eyed right now because this is, it's- yeah. yeah. And I would go home and I would like cry. And I'm like, well, if I had a dad, he would pick me up and spin me around. And I didn't know who to tell that. And I remember one time in a dream, I was, I found myself in this garden, this beautiful garden and a man who like, and look, when I've had encounters with the Lord, you, you can kind of see, not like see him, like I could describe or draw him, but you just know, but this was something different. I, I, it was like, I was in the presence of someone like a different manifestation of the Lord. And I couldn't see his face at all. It was just like this bright light. And he picks me up in the dream and starts spinning me around, spinning me around. <laughs> and I was so happy. And I was like crying tears of joy. And I waited up and I have like tears all over and I was like dad you did it for me you did it for me like that excitement knowing like even if I didn't have a natural father mm-hmm. I didn't lose anything I wasn't lacking anything you and know I think that is so beautiful yeah and so many people need to hear that because when we have issues with our natural fathers mm-hmm. whether it's because they did something or they weren't there yeah a lot of times it is hard to imagine having a father and having yeah that fatherly love. And that's why it's so important for everyone to know that yeah. God is your father first, yeah. you know, first, yeah. yeah. And he's <laughs> there for you and he's yeah. going to allow you to be his daughter if you will allow it. And that's right. That relationship is so precious. Mm-hmm. I can definitely relate to you in that way. I mean, I do have an earthly father, but yeah. during the time I found God, he wasn't in my life. And I've always mm-hmm. wanted that fatherly connection. And that's when I found it with the Lord. And I was yeah. just so swept away by what that love felt like and it changed everything for me. Yeah. And so it's it's there for every single one of you. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so you are a pastor yes. at One Church LA. Mm-hmm. My husband used to go to that church before we got married. Mm-hmm. But I know that they're not having services in person. No, we're back. Oh, really? Yes, we're oh, back. Really? I know. We're actually even going into two services pretty soon. But yeah, we're back now. Like the same location. Same location. Oh, yeah. So okay. I'm so yeah. happy. I thought it was... I know the pandemic, virtual. we yeah. went virtual because um, even like my pastor was very big on say is very big on safety, you know, so he didn't want like it because it's the balance of the two. Right. That let's be spiritual and let's be practical and let's make sure people are safe. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, we, we're back in person now. Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. And h- how long have you been a pastor at one church? I've been a pastor for about seven years now really yeah it's been it's been that long I was like I I started like I was in my 20s wow yeah like early I was like 20 oh this is gonna give my age Uh, you know what do that it's okay (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. So yeah, I've been fasting for like seven, yeah, seven years. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Have you actually met T.D. Jakes? I have. Uh, what was and like? he yeah. is just a sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. He is just like, <laughs> he is a father. Like he really has this fatherly covering protective mm-hmm. and yeah he's just an absolute sweetheart That's wonderful yeah, yeah it trickles down into everything you mm-hmm. that, that love that every pastor yeah. has that church it's so beautiful i've yeah. been a few times i've seen yeah. you so you got super close to God. I'm sure you fell in love with the Bible at some yeah. point, right? Because that's how you mm-hmm. get to know God. And that's how you get to know his attributes. Exactly. So when reading the Bible, who would you say are some of your favorite women in the Bible? Or if favorite you have, you women. Have like one favorite woman at some yeah. point in your life, who would you say? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Honestly, I think one of my favorite women I think everyone has like their faves, right? They like do. Mary, <laughs> Esther, you know. But to be honest, I think one of my favorite women is Elizabeth. Okay. And I think there is, I love her role of support. Mm. You know, she is known for the role she played in being almost like a seed of faith for, for Mary. You know, because Elizabeth was barren Mm -hmm. and, you know, her pregnancy and the role that her child will play was so significant to Jesus. But her pregnancy also spoke of the power of God that would minister to Mary. And I think I love her story so much because it speaks of how women support each other. Mm -hmm. You know, women being there for one another that even it does. It's not even about my name being in the spotlight. Lights. It's about how what I do can impact another woman's life. You know, I lo- I mean, the, I love the Bible. I love the word of God. Yeah. And but Elizabeth is someone who I admire so much because she is highlighted for a supportive role. That is so true. You know, you're right. And one of my favorite scriptures in, yeah. in Luke and when they were talking and she was saying, blessed is she. Yeah. Believe the Lord yes. promises to her. And you're right. That is Something that's overlooked a lot. Yeah, because I think a lot of times like we, we and I, even me, I love the story of Mary, you know, let it be unto me. Of all of this. I love Esther. I love all these stories. But I think when we even when you see the village behind a person, mm-hmm. you know, it is all, it is as critical as the person in the forefront. So. So do you have a village around you? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. A whole village. <laughs> Now you have a husband. Yeah, I know. You have a whole shield over you. Yeah. Amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, Your wife you. looked so beautiful. You looked incredible. No, it, it was like a vision executed. Oh, The really? vision, like the execution understood the assignment. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I can tell. No, it was when I lovely. Saw it, I was like, okay, this is, this is legit. Yeah. So you had a great time. Yeah. No, it was fun. And just seeing like so much family flying in and I think even planning the wedding. Cause we, we, we talked a lot and you were telling me about a couple of things even leading up to the wedding. Um, but I think I had to be very conscious like about what the joy around the day is, because I think as women, you stress out about, I was stressing out about plate settings. Really? I was like, what if this plate is not matching the cups? Uh, and then I, I started thinking back about the weddings I've been to. I couldn't remember the plates. Can't remember anything. I said, this does not matter. 
I focused on the things that were important to me and it was a blast. Good. Yeah. I'm yeah. so happy to hear that. So how has married life been so far? It's been good. Is it like it's what you been, it was going to be like? You know, like going into marriage, I think I, I'm so grateful for like my the season of being single okay. and enjoying it. Yes. I'm grateful that I wasn't single and in like anxiety, you know, or like, oh God, when is this going to happen? Yes, I had moments of like, oh, when is this, you know, when are you going to bring this? But I enjoyed my single season. I enjoyed, I, I traveled. I took myself out on dates. I had did things with friends, you know. So going into marriage, I think one of the things I first recognized that, you know how sometimes people get married and they're sad? It's like they're mourning their singleness yes. and, you know, like, oh, you have to transition into this new life. I was like, oh, no, I'm ready for the transition, child. I have lived a good, I live my best life. <laughs> but, yes, yes. but I think, one, recognizing that even how you treat the season of being single is so valuable in going into a marriage, you know. But I think marriage has really taught me it's showing me, teaching me something about God that I think is so crucial to me because going into marriage, one of the things God was telling me about is how this union is one, is like almost like the one thing that mirrors the mystery of oneness in God. Yeah. Like, you know how the, the, the you know, the word says like, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they are one. But they are three persons, but they are one. Yeah. And then in a marriage, you and your husband, it says like the two shall become one. We're two different people. And what I'm learning is in my honor to that, in how I honor him, in how I love him and how I respect him, it plays a role in everything else I do. Because as a pastor, mm -hmm. I think many people like I've, I've, my parents are not pastors, but I'm friends with like pastors, kids and things like that. And it's unfortunate that there is this consistent narrative of how when, you know, pastor's kid feels neglected by their parents while they're serving the world, while they're doing all these things. But I learned just how God values everything, like recognizing like, no, being a pastor and, and laying my life for other people does not change how I honor my husband, does not change how I love my husband, does not change how I'm there for him. And so it's just showing me something in God that you know how they say charity begins at home yes. and how everything like it's not always about the big things that you're doing, but God is also watching you in the things behind closed doors. And so, you know, it's been good. It's teaching me things in my personal life. Uh -huh. It's teaching me things about God. And yeah, it's well, been good. Is your first ministry. It is. It really is. is. To God. Yeah. It's very important. It's good that you're already thinking about that in the future and mm -hmm. how I want to be with my children. And I want yes. to that role. Is they know their love they know they're like yeah like yeah that's important that's yeah that you're thinking about that did you have someone guide you on how to be a wife because that is something that it definitely is something you have to learn mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy yeah and you do need the lord you do need listen the lord. no i think exposure has also been very helpful even though like my mom you know was a single mom there were things that she imparted in me, even in her time of being married. Um, my pastor, Pastor Sarah, like I've, I've watched her mm -hmm. and I see how she handles, like 
she honors her home. She values her home. And I think watching people is one of the greatest lessons just because you, you're not, it's not what you heard about them is what you can see, you know, and being exposed to her as well and her home. And then I have like friends who are married and just watching people, I think has been really pivotal in how it shaped what I choose, what I desire to see in my home. That's so good. Is there yeah. anything you wish that you knew before you got married that you just kind of realized, oh, this is something I wish I kind of knew? You know, um, what did I wish I knew? You know what? I, I wouldn't say I didn't know it before, but I think in marriage, it's like, girl, chill out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, because, you know, people say this thing and I understand it to a degree. And they talk about how, like, you want to be two whole people before you come into a marriage. Oh, right. And I get that, that you know, process. we both of you are 100 percent. But it's not accurate. <laughs> We're like 85, 85. Because <laughs> we got issues, you know. Yeah, issues. And, and the thing is like recognizing like mm-hmm. there are some things. I think for me, what should be 100% is right, is knowing the foundation you stand upon, right? I, I feel like my biggest thing in marriage is knowing that I am submitted to the Lord. I am submitted to like learning. I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm not giving into like ego or pride. That to me, I think is more crucial than this idea of perfection. Like before you get married, make sure you're 100%. Who is 100% home? <laughs> you know, right. everybody has... Because I think that there are times in life, you don't even know what's a brokenness until you're in an environment that brings it out. You know, it's like sometimes you don't even recognize that you might have, like, I'm someone who is, I'm very, I don't, it's not like I don't get angry, but it's not like, I'm not, I'm very joyful. Like I'm really very joyful. (laughs) And I always used to say like, girl, I just thank God that I just don't really have anger in me. Mm -hmm. But one day. One. Somebody brought that thing out. Ooh. And I was like, oh my gosh. It was there. <laughs> it was there. So <laughs> I think learning like that you are, even when God puts you together with someone, there are things, there are keys that is is locked in that person that unlocks you to a deeper dimension of yourself. Oh you know, there are things that in my husband, my husband has touched, like he's healed wounds I didn't even know existed, Mm. you know, and vice versa. Like we are able to complement each other in a way that we evolve together, you know? And I think learning that Stephanie, if you see something ugly that you don't like, it's all right. You know, it's okay. Chill out. Like, but surrender to the process of healing and growing and evolving in that way. That's yeah. so beautiful. And praying for him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Really, people, I think, sometimes underestimate how much prayer is mm-hmm. so important once you get married. How was, like, even in your marriage, like, what did you, like, learn? Like, what was something that you're like, what? <laughs> I realized how much of my time I would have to sacrifice. Mm. Because, like you were saying, in terms of, like, being single, you have your own rhythm. True. And I was spending so much time, like with God and mm-hmm. things on my own and all these long spa days with myself. <laughs> it's like, no, your time is not yours. Alone. Yeah. to share it. I think also in terms of just settling any kind of disagreements, mm-hmm. because when you're married, you're not able to leave. I can't go back to my apartment. Right. I, have to stay there and I don't <laughs> want to be walking around with an attitude. Yeah. So having to be humble and like swallow my pride and, 
bring my issues to God mm-hmm. was something for me. And I, even if I was in the bathroom crying to God, I would cry and yeah. then do what I have to do, which is face the situation. Mm-hmm. And the Lord always worked it out. So just seeing how God's hand worked in the relationship was yeah. so powerful to me because I didn't have any role models. I, mm-hmm. I was a parent. Yeah. I never got to see how couples ended arguments. I, I can, of course, see how arguments happen, but I never got to see how they end it mm-hmm. and who approaches who who yeah who fixes who what fixes it, you know <laughs> it's like we can be bad for a whole month so i yeah. i had to decide to say it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how he is behaving like that mm-hmm. has nothing to do with how with i used yeah. to behave that's real and that took a lot of growth <laughs> but we're so much better now because i think you know he's also seen that humility and, mm-hmm. and it also impacts how he treats me as well. And it's, it's gotten a lot. I love smoother. that. Yeah. I love, cause what you said is so real. Like even, cause even your style, like how different people have different styles of resolving things. Right. Cause even for me, if I'm irritated, I get quiet okay. because I need to process, yeah. right? I'm like, I need to think about mm-hmm. what happened. You know, where, where did I play a role? <laughs> or is this all your fault? <laughs> <laughs> and my husband is like, Let's talk through it. And I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. I want to be quiet and process. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, so are we over this? I'm like, I'm not sure yet. I am processing and you are interrupting my processing time. (laughs) And it's like finding that compromise of like, okay, let's talk about this and let's laugh. And, you know, he's a very like... Come on, babe. Like, because for him, nothing is an argument. We are just having a, you know, we're talking it out. Right. And I'm over here pouting. Like, <laughs> you know, but that's real. That's, that's real. That's real. Yeah. It's like no one's way is right or wrong. Yeah. And just your thinking can't be too long. Right. Because I'll be over there. Because to your point, right? Like when you're used to like in, being depend, like independent, mm-hmm. I can think all day with the Lord. I could be like, you know, 12 p.m. So God, this happened. 6 p.m. What do you think, God? Right. You know? Right. But now you're with someone who is like, look, 3 p.m. We got lunch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you need to speed this up. You can't yeah. have any resentment about it. Either. Nothing. You can't. You can't. Nothing. You have to just drop it and, yeah. and move with it. So that's 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 good. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for asking me that. Now, in terms of the wife role in the Bible, I know you kind of talked mm-hmm. about this, but do you think that there's anything that's really important biblically to incorporate into your marriage? Yeah. And I truly believe that or male and female, wife and husband, that it's not just a title, but it's an office in God. It's an expression Mm -hmm. of the nature of God. You know, there is something that a man expresses about who God is that the woman is not supposed to. There's something that the woman expresses about who God is. Um, I remember like, even as we were getting married, we were talking about gender roles from a biblical perspective. You know, like even when the Bible talks about husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church, Mm -hmm. but you would also see in the, in the Bible, then if God is talking about the husband, almost as the Lord himself, the Lord calls himself a vine dresser. Mm -hmm. He's the one that takes care of the garden, the environment. And we were, and he was saying, and even in my conversation with my husband, he was like, as a man, my role is 
to create an environment for you to thrive in. Wow. That if you're failing in life, I failed because that means I didn't create an environment that was healthy enough for you. And I think even as a woman, you know, every time we talk about like the Proverbs 30, 31 woman, Mm -hmm. you know, but that woman was a boss, you know, Mm -hmm. she woke up early. Mm -hmm. She had businesses. She was running things. Her kids loved her. Like, but she, she was a boss, like all around, all around. You know, but I'm learning that the beauty of a woman is in submission. Okay. And not submission that has this negative tone to it, Mm -hmm. but submission from the place of respect, like submission, because the woman, even when the Bible, there's a scripture that says that calls the woman a weaker vessel and it's been abused. It's been used against a woman. But I truly believe that the only reason that God says, or or there's this idea that she's the weaker vessel is because it's in all her power. Mm -hmm. She's called to be vulnerable yes. to the man. That's what it is. So it's not that she's not weak, actual weak, but she's powerful, yeah. but vulnerable yeah. because she's vulnerable to his leadership in some degree. And I think for me as a woman is recognizing that one, women have such a power in God. Mm-hmm. Every powerful move of God, there are women at the forefront of it mm-hmm. because women, even in this, one of the things the Lord was teaching me is that the same way women in the natural are carriers like they they birth things they bring life to things spiritually it's the same thing that women whenever there's a spiritual move there's a move of God even in the natural there are women in the forefront because they express the the nature of God to bring forth absolutely right so it's recognizing like okay I know my power as a woman but in marriage I'm not here to struggle for power. I'm not trying to fight power with my husband. Right. Mm-hmm. But there is a let I respect him. I, I don't see, I don't only see him as my best friend or, you know, my lover, but I also see him as the head of the household. I, 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 get, I honor him in that way. And I think that is so critical. And it's also the reason why before a person gets married, make sure you're marrying the right person. Because mm-hmm. if you're marrying someone that's a fool, then it's going to bring frustration because now a fool is leading your home, right? But I think for me, it's just learning that there is beauty in submission and submission in the willingness to say, you know what, babe, I trust you. Does not mean we're not going to talk things through. We're not going to talk as partners. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have healthy dialogues or healthy debates, but that there is a respect and honor that I give you as my husband. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a covering. It's a, it's a covering. Yeah. Factor for yourself. How can you fight with your protect, with your covering? Like, you know what? I don't want this blanket right now. I, <laughs> I want to be cold. I want to be cold. Like, no, you know, yeah. but I think that it, it's, there is such negativity to submission. I think it's because of the way culture looks at it. Yes. Culture gives it a definition that has nothing to do with the Bible. Culture gives this idea that submission, it has the image of a wife slaving in the kitchen all day. Then when she's done slaving in the kitchen she's prepping what's for dinner in for christmas yes, <laughs> like, yes. like that's her life like her life is limited yeah. to the kitchen and cleaning yeah. and it's like no like it, it, there's so much more or that she has absolutely no say no whatsoever. no say no ambition no vision yeah. for her life yeah. no like, that way at all at all it takes to submit yeah it, it takes strength to be able to, to do that yeah so it's definitely a, a power not a weakness exactly now, did you go to premarital counseling is that something you think is important i do think it's valuable we have premarital counseling with my pastors mm-hmm. and so i do think there's value in there because it allows a third party to 
kind of like zoom out, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I think when both of you are are only dialoguing within yourself, it's so zoomed in. Yeah. And there are things that other people can like call out and say, hey, what about this? Or, you know, what about that? Mm-hmm. So I, I do believe there's a lot of value into it. I like that idea of zooming out. That's good. Yeah. Because they're able to see the whole picture. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Premarital counseling, I definitely think is absolutely important mm-hmm. in learning about one another. There are things that you may never be able to have someone else address because sometimes something may even come differently from a third party that yeah. your partner may not take it too well when you say it. Right. Like, hearing someone else say it, it could be like an aha moment. It's like, I've been saying that for the last <laughs> But that's, that's true. That's yeah. Great. So how do you make sure that the Lord is in the center of your relationship or how do you think people should incorporate or can mm-hmm. incorporate the Lord into their relationships? I think it's organic when both people are surrendered to God. Okay. You know, when both people recognize, like, I am not the head of my life, mm-hmm. there is a head over my life, right? And so when that's there, it's easy. And I think that's when even sometimes, like some of the advice I got, even in leading into marriage, um, people are like, you know what, there's some arguments you don't have face-to-face, you have on your knees. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense when both people are submitted, because if I pray about something, the, you can hear the voice of God about what needs to be fixed or what needs to be changed. You know, so I do think it's organic, mm-hmm. you know, when it's already there, when both people have a personal relationship with the Lord mm-hmm. and then you come together and it's it's just it's natural. You know, that's true. What if someone is dating someone who they feel like. This person says that they're a Christian, mm-hmm. but they don't really act like they're a Christian. I personally am, have a very close relationship with God. Yeah. I want to see if I can bring God into this relationship. Yeah. Marriage. Do you think that there's anything that a person could do? Yeah, I, I think, you know, obviously, like it, it does have its um, complexities because the job of the Holy Spirit is to draw. It's like a person really coming into a deeper place in relationship with God mm-hmm. is really between them. And the Holy Spirit. It's really that. I think the only role the partner can play Mm -hmm. is by what they live, right? When you're so authentic to yourself, you draw them into that, right? When you're so authentic to like, hey, babe, you know, I want us to study the Bible together, Mm -hmm. you know, and they study it. Now, don't my my advice is not even about the things you do, but it's about the posture of your heart when you do it, Mm -hmm. because it is not your job to lead anyone to Christ. It is your job to reflect Christ. And so to not be frustrated if the person is not moving on a pace you would like or to not be frustrated with, you know, when I'm trying to sing or worship, they don't want to worship because that's not your job. Your job is to reflect the authenticity of your relationship with Christ. And you could bring people into it, but that does not mean. So my biggest thing is the posture of your heart. And then before any of that, to know that God is like in this thing with you, like God is saying that, hey, this is like I'm giving you the approval, the okay about your spouse, you know, about this person of interest. And when you know that God is with you and whoever you're dating Mm -hmm. to be patient with people, you know, that's so true. And for those of you who are married to men who maybe don't know God and Mm -hmm. at the time you didn't realize how important that was. I know I have some ladies that maybe have children and now that they have children, they're like, Oh my goodness, I need all of us to have a relationship with God, but my husband is not interested what do I do? Yeah. Like Stephanie is saying, 
if you live a lifestyle where you are submitted and you just are patient and loving with him and you show Christ through your actions that can influence him to mm-hmm. be interested and you know problems come up yeah he may come right to you <laughs> and asking about your little prayers and, and right? it's tr- because <laughs> I think that you know one of the ways when the Lord well, even the in the Bible right when it talks about love now the Bible says God is love yes. right and when Paul was defining what love is the very first thing he says is love is patience yes. and we have lost the art of patience in life you know and it's not to say there's certain things that for me it's like oh deal breaker you know like when it's things like abuse you know things, like there's some things that you're like all right now the guy I, be patient come on that. now yeah. but when it has to do with some Someone else's journey mm-hmm. like you have to trust like you have you, you can only reflect because I tell people I'm like if you are the only you know image of God I will see would I want to know him mm. so it's really your it's your life mm-hmm. you know there, there's something you exude there's something you you reflect that can draw someone to say Wait, you know, I'm I'm really curious. And it draws them into this place of a deeper hunger. You know, one of my, someone who is really close to me, when we first got connected, you know, she was deep into new age, extremely deep into it. And, but that was, it was some, I'm like, you're my life. I love you not because of whatever you're practicing, whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. I love you because you're a person, first of all. And you're someone that God has put in my life. So, we will talk about things. She'll ask me questions and I'm like, and I will be honest with her. You know, I will be honest with her about, you know, she'll ask me about my views on her practices and I will speak to her from a biblical perspective. And it was the authenticity of my relationship when, even when we would talk about, cause she was telling me about experiences that she would have. And mm-hmm. it was some kind of demonic experiences, but then you're using like practices that almost like encourage it to like, send it off and so and I'll be honest with her I'm like look the name of Jesus is powerful and whatever you're experiencing if you call on that name that is the name that is that is higher than all of this not what the sage you're using not any of that Mm -hmm. and the thing that drew her to the Lord Mm -hmm. it was her sister literally while she was asleep she had a dream. She saw like a demon in her dream. Okay. She wakes up and sees the same demon in her home. Oh my! She panics and freaks out. She calls her sister and she's like, I don't know, like, because she heard something open the door. Okay. And is this like evil? Like, it, it was crazy. And then she calls me and she's like, hey, like, you know, there's Jesus saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what do we do? And Let's we just had a beautiful conversation. And yeah. I'm like, pray, but just pray. And like, and literally they saw a shift. Oh, yeah. And all of a sudden she started having this hunger mm-hmm. to get closer to God. And then her personal relationship started and she started having her own personal encounters. It was not just what someone else said. Yeah. And it, it, God started revealing to her how practices that she was doing was working against her. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't even need to say that. He started revealing that to her. So I'm sharing that to say sometimes we need to get back to the place of being patient with yes. people and knowing that everyone is on a journey and our job is just to reflect him and not be judgmental. Not be judgmental. Oh, not right. be judgmental. Sinners I'm so intrigued in the Bible how 
the people that were called sinners, you right. know, the people that were like the outcasts, mm-hmm. they were attracted to Jesus, yeah. not just Jesus looking for them. They were attracted to like sit with him and eat with him. And it tells you that Jesus was not judgmental. No, Jesus was like the guy everybody wanted to hang out with. Like they didn't feel dirty in his presence. They didn't feel because we have a difference of opinion. I can't hang with you. They were drawn to him and in his presence, it just spoke truth. And that's how people's lives were being changed. That is so true. And I, and I think culturally that's been kind of shifted where people think that Jesus is so judgmental. Yeah. All <laughs> themselves Christians act. And exactly. That's not, that's not Jesus. Exactly. That's not Jesus. That's people. Yeah. I did have a question that comes up a lot when I do my show. Um, I get a lot of questions, women asking about loneliness and mm-hmm. feeling very lonely in their lives. Now, I wanted to know from your perspective, what do you think the difference is in terms of being alone and being lonely mm-hmm. and for someone who is lonely what encouragement do you think you could provide yeah. for them I think lonely? I think even from a biblical perspective like the Lord said to Adam you know it is not good for man to be alone mm-hmm. right and I think alone we were created for community it was not just about I don't believe it was limited to Adam having a wife right mm-hmm. the reality is that he was the only human <laughs> existing in the time mm-hmm. it was a bunch of animals and Adam <laughs> you know and then you know God but we were created for community mm-hmm. so I, I think alone has to do with when you don't have a village when you don't have a community around you, we were not, we were not created to be an island. We were created for friendships. We were created to have a community around us. Even Jesus had a community, you know, he had people, he did um, his missions and assignments with, like we were created for that. But I believe loneliness is really has to do with a state of mind. It has to do with a perspective mm-hmm. that even when you have a community around you, it, it, it's this mentality of there is, I have like almost when you feel like there's no one that is for you. Right. Right. There's no one that is standing by me. It, it's this mindset of like, feels like it's me against the world mm-hmm. type of thing, you know, and why in, in my belief, many people could look at it differently. Mm-hmm. But in my belief, the reason I think that it's more of a perspective is because sometimes when you the very person that you would that you would hear saying like, man, I feel so lonely. They have people in their corner that if you would just be open mm-hmm. and vulnerable with you will find support in very unlikely places, Yeah, right? That there are people already that God has placed around you because you can feel lonely in a big room. You can feel lonely and you have, you're in a family of 17. That's right. <laughs> you yeah, know? That's right. Yeah. But it's really this mindset is this negative narrative to shut you off community that you already have, yes. right? So what I would just say to anyone feeling lonely is that, get back to the place of inner safety with being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Like don't look at your vulnerability like someone else can sabotage or use it against you. No, recognize that vulnerability is freedom. Like when I can be open about like where I am, what I need, it's freedom. Whoever accepts it, accepts it. Who doesn't, doesn't. And that's okay. You know, but I, I think it has more to do with how we see the people around us and how we see ourselves. But if you are in a community 
be open, you know, like don't feel like you're, you're going to be closed off. Ask for help, you know, let people know what it is that you're going through mm-hmm. and just and see mm-hmm. what happens. See what right? happens. Yeah, that takes that takes you being brave. And, and yeah, I think and to add on to what you're saying that sometimes when people feel lonely, if they're in a place where maybe they can try to look within, like you're saying, mm-hmm. discover why you're here. You know? Yeah, because everyone has a purpose and God yeah. is here for a reason. And sometimes the Lord does separate you mm-hmm. in order to prepare you for something yeah. that he has for you. Very true. And um, unfortunately, the enemy can try to bring you down in that in that space. Mm-hmm. But I think, like you said, just kind of being vulnerable about how you're feeling, that God will bring you the people who he, will. he wants around mm-hmm. you. That's That's great. So tell me, Stephanie, what is it like being a godly woman in Hollywood? Because being in Hollywood a lot of times has this narrative where you're around so much sin and around maybe people who just live a lifestyle that you're not necessarily comfortable with. Mm -hmm. And it can be a a little complicated sometimes. How do you navigate through Hollywood? Yeah, I think it starts by knowing where you're planted in and who you're rooted in, you know, because even the Bible calls us to be the light of the world and light is not recognized until you're in darkness. And I think Hollywood has this bad stigma But it's just it's a culture that was created and it's a culture that can shift. Mm. And so the big thing is not, you know, it's not getting caught up. I think you have to know who you are. And that's why I thank God we were just talking about loneliness. Right. And how you mentioned that there are times in life where God can even separate you. Right. Because he wants to build you. He wants it's a time that he wants you to be built up in him. So you don't you're not like easily like swayed by things. The culture of Hollywood that brings that gives people this mindset of darkness or evil. It's just a culture that is big on approval. Mm, so thanks. whatever I do, whatever I need to do to be approved, I do it. So if that is drugs, if that is women, if that is men, whatever it is to be applauded by whatever is hot in the moment, I do it. If that's getting naked, but it's a culture, mm-hmm. right? But when you know who you are right. and you recognize that I don't need anyone to hype me up. I'm my own hype. I'm my own <laughs> woman, right? Like God is with me. Yeah. God ha- like God has me. I'm approved by him. Yeah. Then I can be authentically myself. I'm, I don't need anything from, you know, I, there's, you can't give me something that would add value to me. Mm. Right. God does that for me. So we can, we, it's really just about like the authenticity of who I am. And I think that anyone who is a Christian, but has business or called to the city or, you know, in any way connected to like Hollywood, the culture of Hollywood, I think you have to be rooted in God first, mm-hmm. because if not, you're going to give in to that culture. But the kingdom has a culture. That's right. And that's how things shift. Right. You come in as a light and things begin to shift. People begin to be drawn to that light more than what they do. You know, so I, I look at it as a blessing. Um, to be honest, because even just this, what happens in Hollywood touches the world, yes. you know, and I think it is a blessing when you can be a light in a space that has influence to the world, um, not trying to not for clout, not for applause, not for whatever, because the moment you start looking for that, 
you shift, Mm -hmm. you know, but when your intention is pure, when you just want to see people be the best of who God called them to be, then you, you keep that posture, you know, then it's not a challenge. It's just who you are. You're right. And, and having faith that the Lord has you because if in Hollywood, say you have an opportunity, Mm -hmm. this is it. And they're like, well, you know, Stephanie, I think maybe you should take this off or do it more like this. And you're like, I I really want this gig. So I guess I have to do it. And that's the thing is this culture of whatever I need to do to be accepted and approved. But when, you know, literally this morning I was reading the scripture when it's when Jesus was saying, you know, that he was sent by the father and in the same manner he sends you know, the disciples Mm -hmm. and it ministered so much to me because it's recognizing wherever I am, I'm sent by God. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And who sent me has authority over everything. So it's not because I've had those moments, Mm -hmm. right. Where you get approached and it's something amazing. You're like, Oh, what? Oh, this is going to be where? And then they tell you the clause. And I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> Sorry, thank you. Because if, if you're, and that's anyone who is going into Hollywood, you know, in LA, it's, it's people are moving out here all the time, chasing a dream or the other. My biggest thing is that you need to know who you are and you don't need anything from these rooms. You're there to give something because if you're looking for them to give you something, you are going to shift. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall into the same thing that you were like, I would never, I would da, 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 da. And you would give in at some point, you know, but when you know who you are and you're strong in that and you protect that space by cultivating it, then it's not that easy for you to just, you know, give in. Oh, that's powerful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> I do have some rapid fire questions yes! for you. I'm going to give you some questions. I don't want you to think too long. Okay. Just give me your first rapid fire. response. <laughs> it might be random now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Save 100 strangers or one loved one? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> what? Why is this you a rapid fire? You have to pick. Oh my gosh, can I just sacrifice myself? How would I live with myself? <laughs> oh, that is difficult. Um, 100 strangers. Okay. Intense pain for 10 minutes or dull pain for one day? Dull pain. I don't like pain at all. Predictability or excitement? Excitement. False hope or unnecessary anxiety? Oh, child. <laughs> this is why I cry the wife of fire. Um, <laughs> ooh, unnecessary anxiety. Okay. Free travel for one year or free lodging for five years? Free travel for one year. Tea or coffee? Tea. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Perfect date night in five or less words? Oh, perfect date night in five or less words. Um... Oh, this is hard. Now that requires thinking for this repertoire. It does. That one does. (laughs) Okay. Perfect date night of five or less words. Oh my God. What do you like? What do you like? I love, I love a good red wine. Mm -hmm. I love the water. Wine, (laughs) water, music. music. Yes. Wine, water, music, scent that is just out of this world. And... (laughs) <laughs> Sushi. Okay. <laughs> travel the world or a shopping spree? Travel the world. 
Passenger or driver? Passenger. <laughs> you, you struggle with that one. <laughs> I don't like driving. Yeah, I know. Not in LA. <laughs> favorite book of the Bible? Ooh. Favorite book of the Bible, Romans. Who was more evil? Jezebel or Delilah in your eyes? Jezebel. Favorite movie? Mulan. Oh, I could see that with you. I could totally see Mulan for you. <laughs> sort by price or by rating? Rating. Vacation or staycation? Vacation. Lose sleep or skip a meal? Skip a meal. Reality shows or documentaries? Documentaries. Hang out with kids or old folks? Oh, that's hard. Kids. Kids. <laughs> okay, so oh, I, that is a hard fire. <laughs> you did well. You did well. <laughs> Yay! This is amazing. You're amazing. I'm just so honored to have you. Thank you. You're such an inspiration for women for so many different reasons. But I'm really proud of everything that you've accomplished. Thank you, love. Excited for what you're gonna do next. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) And I'm just so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited. Thank you. This is great. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye.